Hey, and thanks for taking the time to listen with us here at Gospel Way as we seek to find rest in Christ. Please know that this is supplemental and does not replace your local church or the pastor that God has given to shepherd your soul. But it is our prayer that God will use these resources to bless you and point you to Jesus. All right, let me call our attention this evening to the book of Hebrews. We're back in the book of Hebrews chapter number 7. We're going to be looking at verse number 20 down through verse number 28. We'll be closing out chapter number 7 this evening. And it is in our bulletin that this is the unchanging Word of God. Uh, Also, the Another thought along those lines is the unchangeable priesthood. And that's what we're going to be looking at and considering this evening. The book of Hebrews chapter number 7 beginning in verse number 20. The Bible said, "In And in so much as not without an oath he was made priest. For those priests were made without an oath, but this with an oath by him that said unto him, The Lord swear and will not repent. Thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. But so much was Jesus made a surety of a better testament. And they truly were many priests because they were not suffered to continue by reason of death. But this man, because he continueth ever, hath an unchangeable priesthood. Wherefore he is able also to save them to the uttermost that come unto him, seeing that he ever liveth to make intercession for them. For such an high priest became us who is holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners, and made higher than the heavens, who needeth not daily as those high priests to offer up sacrifice, first for his own sins, and then for the people's. For this he did once when he offered up himself. For the law maketh men high priests which have infirmity, but the word of the oath which was since the law maketh the Son who is consecrated forevermore. Let's pray. Father, once again, we thank you that you have given us the privilege to corporately come together around your word. Lord, we thank you that we can gather with one heart, with one accord, with one mind, and that to see Christ in Scripture. Lord, we ask you this evening that you would illumine your word. Lord, may through its illumination, may we see you as you are. May we see ourselves as we are. 
And Lord, may we see the reconciliation of Christ on our behalf. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Money back guarantees. You buy a product, but it fails within the first couple of times or within the time of the guarantee, and you take it back to the store, and they either give you money back or they give you another item of like thing, whatever it may be. We want those... We want those products to last. We, we pay for those. We want them to last. And uh, those money-back guarantees are a good deal. There's nothing wrong with those. In fact, we, we want to know. <laughs> I started to uh, give you an example. I'm, I'm probably not going to give you that one. But anyway, we, we, want to, we want to find out what the warranty is on our vehicles. Uh, I'm going to give it to you anyway. I went to the dentist on Tuesday, and I'm going to have some dental work done. And I asked them, I said, on that dental work that I'm going to have done, does it have a 10-year million chew warranty? (laughs) How long does it last? Is it going to be what it needs to be? Is it going to hold up? Uh, So we, we like to have those guarantees. Sometimes, even though we have the guarantee and even though we have the warranty. Sometimes we come to find out that those guarantees and those warranties are worthless. They're not even... They, they, they actually wasted the ink that they printed them on paper because they don't mean anything. And a lot of the small print keeps them from meaning anything. Uh, perhaps you were guaranteed a seat on a flight to get to the airport and find out that your flight was overbooked and your seat has been taken. And you've got you've to wait for the next one. That's not much of a guarantee. The most important matter in my life and in your life is our salvation. And I will guarantee you upon Scripture tonight that you have a guarantee that will stand sure through all eternity. That guarantee is the Lord Jesus Christ. When we consider this book, the book of Hebrews, uh, I guess one of the major themes that runs throughout the book is better. He's allowing us to see there is a better way. There's a better high priest. There's a better Moses. There's a better Aaron. There's a better priesthood. There's a better covenant. (coughs) Everything that we look in here and see, we find that it is better. Or The author continues this argument in these verses of Scripture. He's been going over in the previous verses of Scripture and this will continue at least through up through chapter number 10, uh, the matter of the priesthood of Christ. We don't find this subject anywhere else in the Word of God, but we find it here in the book of Hebrews, and we find that He is laying down the fact that Christ is our high priest. And you and I know from Scripture and knowing 
about Scripture. Most of us know that we have a high priest which can be touched with the feelings of our infirmities. He was tempted in all points like as we are. He told us many things about our high priest. But one of the things that stands out about this high priest that we're talking about in this passage of Scripture and we've been looking at and will continue to look at somewhat throughout the next chapter or two is the fact that this high priest is the last high priest. He's a high priest after the order of Melchizedek. In our statement or in our text this evening, uh, the author shows Jesus as a superior priest. He is superior for no less than three reasons, but uh, I'm going to give you three reasons this evening from this passage of Scripture. There are three reasons that we find in this passage of Scripture that Jesus is the superior high priest. Number one, the preface of the work of the high priest. Number two, the persistent petition of this high priest. And number three, the purity that we see in this high priest. The superiority of Jesus in this passage of Scripture that we find in his high priestly office guarantees salvation on our behalf. You and I, outside of Christ, have no salvation. But in Christ, we have a salvation that stands sure. It has a foundation that that doesn't rest on us. And thank God it doesn't. It rests on the Lord Jesus Christ. And because it rests on Him, and we look at His life and understand His life, we have a guarantee of that salvation. I am glad this evening that our guarantee of salvation and our guarantee of eternal life is through Him. I'm glad that it does not rest in anything in us. Because if it did, we would be a poor sort of people. Because we cannot maintain salvation for ourselves. It's the superiority of Jesus. In fact, one of the reasons this writer is covering the subject as in-depth as he is is because he's calling the attention of those Hebrew believers to look at what they had seen a foreshadow of. And he continues to take them back to the Aaronic priesthood. He continues to take them back to that priesthood of humanity. Those priests, and we even saw it in the reading as we read down through the Scriptures, and I hope, hope and pray by this time that as we read that, you picked up on some of it, that he said those were temporary. They were after death. Theirs ended. Christ's does not. So because of that, you and I have a guarantee of salvation and that guarantee of salvation is to all those who are drawn near to God through Jesus Christ. 
We're not drawn near to God because we turned over a new leaf, because we flipped a new chapter, because we decided to clean up, because we decided to do better. We have a guarantee of salvation because of what Jesus Christ has accomplished. That is the reason that we can say the Christianity that we know and the Christianity of the Word of God is not do and live, it is done and live. Jesus Christ has done the work. He's done everything necessary for us to have salvation. It's not in our hands. I, I, I have a problem of messing up things. Now, I have always been the, the type of person that I've always been. My wife will tell you this ever since we got married. If something happened to the washing machine at the house or something happened to the stove at the house, the first thing I wanted to do was tear it apart and see why it happened. And, I mean... Maybe every once in a while my wife would look at me and say, what are you doing? I, well, I can't make it any worse. It don't work now. Let me see why it's not working. But that's not what salvation is for us. What salvation is for us is Christ has done the work. And, and He guarantees it and it will last. The heart of this text that we're looking at this evening is found in verse number 25. He says, wherefore, wherefore what? Wherefore he is able also to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. And we've said here before, and I'll say it again this evening, Jesus Christ making intercession on our behalf is not that he has to well, let's pray for him today, or let's pray for this one today. He's making intercession because he is. You say, he is what? Because he is. He ever liveth to make intercession for us. Because he is what he is, he makes intercession for us. And to understand the sentence that we find there in verse number 25, we must first understand the meaning of save. Salvation is a radical term. You don't mean to save someone who is doing, or you don't need to save someone who's doing pretty well for themselves. That's the reason this world that is, feels like they have the tiger by the tail don't want anything to do with what you and I have. Because they've not yet seen their need for salvation. So being saved means that we've come to a point to understand that we need that salvation. You don't need to save someone who is fairly competent or has everything together. To save someone is not to offer advice or tips about a better way of life. To save someone is to save that person who is lost. That person is who is incapacitated. That person who is in immediate danger of perishing. That's the people that need to be saved. 
And it's until a person gets to that point that they'll never realize their need for salvation. They must first recognize who they are. That is the reason that over and over again we remind ourselves of who we are. Is because we're reminding ourselves that without Christ we're nothing. Even though you and I who have... Uh, had faith in Christ and have faith in Christ, we still remind ourselves because we're reminding ourselves so that we might see Him who has saved us on His behalf. He cannot, that person that is incapacitated, that person who is in immediate danger of perishing, that person who is lost cannot save themselves. How many times in this this would do well for the men. They can understand what I'm about to say. There's been times that I've been riding down the road and we've been going to this place or that place and my wife would look at me because she would feel that sense of, I don't know where I'm going. And she would look at me and say, are we lost? The famous statement of every man is, I know exactly where I'm at. <laughs> We're in the car. We're on four wheels and we're riding down the road. Whether we'll ever end up where we started out to go, I have no idea. But it's not until that person realizes they're lost that they don't have that direction to get them where they're going. At that point, it, it is at that point that I came to the conclusion, okay, I've got to admit to her, but I'm not going to do it verbally. I'm just going to pull up at the gas station and pretend that I'm going in to get somebody something to drink, and I'll ask somebody where this place is down the road, and they'll tell me you got to go back about five miles where you just came from and turn that road that you missed while you were, and we go back the opposite direction. My wife says, "Uh uh-huh, and just leaves it at that. So it is a person that finds themselves lost, that needs salvation, is the person that understands they are incapacitated. It is the person that understands that they are in immediate danger of perishing, that finds their need for salvation, and that person cannot save themselves. No matter how hard they try, they cannot save themselves. Without outside help, they will perish. Without some aid, without some direction, they're not going to get to where they're going. Spiritually, every person needs to be saved. Every person needs to be saved. John chapter 3 and verse number 36, we find out that what do we need to be saved from? The Bible answers that question. We need to be saved from God's wrath and eternal judgment. John chapter 3 and verse 36. Paul also writes in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 verse number 10, Jesus who rescues us from the wrath to come. Romans chapter 5 and verse number 9, Paul writes this, Having now been justified by His blood, we shall be saved from the wrath of God through Him. Paul tells us once again in Romans chapter 6 and verse number 23, and most all of us know this verse, the wages of sin is death. 
And that death is to be eternally separated from God. So we know that there is a need for salvation. God, to satisfy His justice, God demands that there be a penalty for sin. You and I understand that from Scripture. Adam sinned. The Bible said, by one man sin entered into the world. And death by sin. So that death was passed upon all men. In that all have sinned. Adam sinned in the garden and because of Adam's sin, death was passed down upon us. So if there is death that has been passed upon us, then we are in immediate danger of perishing. We're, we're incapacitated. We're lost. We need the salvation of God. In God's love, in His justice, He demanded a payment for sin. But in God's love, God sent His only Son to be the perfect high priest for all those who would come to Him in faith. We'll give you three things and look at this passage of Scripture and we'll be done go to the house. Number one, Jesus is the superior high priest because of God's oath. Look at what he says in verse number 20 down through verse number 22. In verse number 20, he makes this statement, And in as much as not without an oath, he was made priest. For those priests were made without an oath, but this with an oath by him that said unto him, the Lord swear and will not repent. Thou art a priest after the order of Melchizedek. By so much was Jesus made a surety of what? A better testament. Jesus is a high priest on our behalf because of his preface, because of his beginning. Because of his oath. These other high priests were high priests. Why? Because they were in the right lineage. Because they were of the right family. Because they were born in the right line. They became high priests. But they had to go in, and we'll see this later on. They had to go in daily, and they had to go in once a year for everybody's sin. They had to atone for their own to start with and then atone for those around them. That wasn't the way it was with Christ. Christ became a high priest by his oath. By being who he is. Because God said he is high priest. Because God said he told us that it was the oath, it was the preface of his work, the beginning the, 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 the very foundation of the priesthood, that better priesthood, that unchangeable priesthood is by an oath. That oath is God said. 
What did God say another place in Scripture? God said when he could not find any other to swear by, he swore by himself. What? That he was high priest. That he was our interceder. That he was our mediator. So we understand the preface of this priesthood that we're looking at. This unchangeable priesthood. This is not a priesthood that's going to change. The priesthood had changed every from the, from, from the time that Aaron had become priest. Every generation, every, every line that came, those priests lived, died, and was buried. And then another one came that lived, died, and was buried. Another one came that lived, died, and was buried. Another one came that lived, died, and was buried. Another one came that hung on a cross, lived, died, rose again to never die again. He is our high priest. And he is our high priest by his oath. What did he tell us in John chapter number 17? He said, I give unto them eternal life. And that eternal life is knowing God and knowing Christ. So Jesus is superior as our high priest because of his oath. Not only that, but Jesus is superior as our high priest because of his persistence. And his perpetual petition for the people of God. You said say that again. I'm not going to do it. <laughs> Chapter 7, verse number 23 down through verse number 25. Let's read that this evening. And they truly were many priests because they were not suffered to continue by reason of death. Why did the high priest before Christ not continue? Because they couldn't. Death got them. <laughs> Can't help but to think about, and I mentioned this one time before, can't help but to think about Marcel as he's running down the road and they stop him and they question him, what were you going to do? You said judgment was coming. What were you, you, you going to do continuing to run? He said, I was going to run until it overtook me. Those high priests had something overtake them. It was death. Death did not overtake Christ. He laid down His life. And He said, if I have the power to lay it down, I have the power to raise it up again. So He raised it up again. Because of His persistence and His perpetual petition on behalf of God's people. He tells us in verse number 23, he said, And they truly were many priests because they were not suffered to continue by reason of death. But this man, because he continueth ever. What does it say that he has? He hath an unchangeable priesthood. Wherefore he is able also. Why? Why is it that Christ can save us and Aaron couldn't? Why is it that Christ can save us and Aaron's lineage could not save us? Look at what he says in verse number 25. Wherefore he is able to save them 
how to the uttermost that cometh unto him unto God by him, seeing that he what? Ever liveth to make intercession for us. Does, the, does that verse not make more sense now that we see that this is why Christ ever liveth? He ever liveth to make intercession for us. How does He make intercession for us? Because He ever liveth. We could spend all night just going in that circle. Christ is our high priest because of His persistence. Not only his persistence, but his perpetual petition on our behalf. He's praying. He's interceding on our behalf. How is he interceding? He is interceding because he is. He's not interceding because... I was led to believe when I was coming up younger in church, and maybe it was just my, my thoughts thinking... Nobody ever said this, but they alluded to me believing this. That when I would go out here and I'd be a bad little boy and that Christ would have to pray on my behalf because the accuser would stop by and say, look at him, look at what he did. So Christ would pray and say, oh, Father, forgive them for they know what they do. That's not what's happening in heaven. He's there. He's seated on the throne. And every time the old accuser passes by, he just glances over. He's still there. I guess I better go on down the road. Because he ever liveth to make intercession for us. His persistence. His petition on our behalf. Jesus is able to save forevermore those that draw nigh unto God, since He ever liveth to make intercession for us. Jesus is able to save. The angel promised Joseph. What did the angel tell Joseph when Mary was with child? The angel came to Joseph, and what did he tell Joseph? And he shall save his people. <laughs> I can imagine Joseph, if he'd have been a... This is on podcast, I'll be careful. If he was just a good, independent, fundamental Baptist person, Joseph would have been running the sawdust because he would have grasped that Jesus Christ ever liveth. And because He ever liveth, the angel told Joseph, and he shall save his people. Because of his persistence. Not only because Jesus, because of God's oath, not only because of his persistence, but also Jesus is able to save us because of his purity. As our high priest, he is superior as our high priest because of his purity. His purity is part of his supreme sacrifice that he gave on our behalf. 
In order for someone to die in our stead, in order for someone to hang upon that cross, in order for someone to purchase salvation for us, they must first be holy. They must secondly be innocent. And they must thirdly be undefiled. And Jesus met the criteria of all. What, what, what was it that they were told to, on the, on the Passover, what were they told? That, that lamb that they got was supposed to be without blemish, holy. They were supposed to be innocent. They were, they were the young lambs. They were undefiled. They couldn't have any blemish on them. Jesus met all of those. He was holy, which points us to His character as set apart unto God without any sin. He was innocent, which means that He, his in, he was entirely free from all that is evil and harmful, both in action and in motivation. He was undefiled, which means that he was free from any moral or spiritual blemish. There was no blemish on the Lord Jesus Christ. So we have a high priest that we're instructed here that is a better high priest. He's not only a better high priest, he is the best. Of the best, of the best, of the best, of which there is no rest. He is our high priest because of His holiness, because of His innocence, because of Him being undefiled. He is exactly what we need. If we were to draw a conclusion from these thoughts about Him being our high priest, have we ever... Have we ever as individuals gotten a promotional letter that said in the fine print, actual results may vary? Or the amounts used in this letter are for illustration purposes only. You didn't get that kind of letter from the Lord Jesus Christ. The actual results will not vary. You say, what are you talking about? Charles Nagy got in the same way I did. I got in the same way Ricky Beaver did. Miss Amy got in the same way as Miss Dottie did. Miss Dottie got in the same way as Lisa did. I'll try to get the names right. We got in the same way. There is no variance. There, there is no one person that got in any different way. He was able to save us to the uttermost because of who He was. We were all in the same need of the same salvation. God promises that because Jesus is a superior high priest, salvation is guaranteed for all. They call upon Him. He said, Wherefore He is able to save them to the uttermost, that come unto God by Him. Who comes to God? Those that God draws. 
He said we couldn't come to the Father unless the Father... I mean, we couldn't come to Him unless the Father draw us. God draws us, and as God draws us, we see what God has for us, and we believe with faith from the Word of God what God said about our high priest, and we receive that as a gift from God, and we have salvation full and free. It's guaranteed to all those who draw near to God through Him. Therefore, there is no fine print that says sinner must clean up his life before he gets saved. There's no fine print that says offer doesn't apply to really bad sinners. There is no, there's no fine print that says this one can't have it and that one can't have it. There's no fine print. The Bible said for whosoever calleth upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. The interesting thing that I find in Scripture is whosoever will, will, but whosoever won't, won't. You and I know that there are people that are never going to trust Christ. God knows that there are people that are never going to trust Christ. And that doesn't take God by surprise. It doesn't take us by surprise either. And we overcomplicate that sometimes. But the understanding is whosoever will, will, and whosoever won't, won't. And God has full knowledge of all of that. And that should not sidetrack us, but it should help us to understand that our salvation that we have is not in we ourselves, but it is in the Lord Jesus Christ. The one who comes to me I will certainly not cast out. That's what Christ told us. He said if we come to Him, He'll not cast us out. I used to talk to people, and I've talked to many, many people that have had the question, well, was I under enough conviction? Did I feel bad enough about my... Did you want to get saved? Yeah, I wanted to get saved. Who does that? God does that. If God placed within you the desire to get saved, do you think God's going to put that desire in you to get saved and not save you? Can I just say, are you a fool? Jesus is able to save all them that come unto Him. Who's going to come unto Him? All those whom the Father draws Salvation is full and free. He guarantees salvation. Here's the blessing. Not only does He ever live now to make intercession for us, where is He going to be throughout all eternity? On His throne, ruling and reigning. No one will dethrone Christ. Because of that, I have a guarantee of salvation. He will not turn away those who come unto Him. What a blessing. Come, trust Him, who is the superior high priest, and who is the last high priest. 
because there will never be a need for any other. Let's pray.